Well, over the last few months, we have slowly but surely been working our way through the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel, where, if you remember, Jesus spells out what life looks like in his kingdom and how to live a life that is happy and whole. And today, we get to the very famous section in the second half of chapter 6, where Jesus turns his attention to the topic of anxiety, which, I don't know what you think, but I suggest feels like a relevant topic to be looking at right now, doesn't it? I mean, most of us are anxious about something, and a lot of us are more anxious now than we've ever been. But as we're going to see, Jesus wants us to be healed from this. However, before turning our attention to what Jesus has to say on this topic, let me just try and bring a bit of definition to what it is we're talking about here. Interestingly, in pretty much every culture and every language group, the word for anxiety comes from words signifying choking, strangling, tightness or suffocation. It's like anxiety can take hold of us by the throat and choke the life out of us. You know, I think a lot of the time, not in every case, but a lot of the time, anxiety simply comes from the fear of not knowing. It's often this kind of fear of anticipation. I think it can be triggered by any number of different things. It can be triggered by disruption. There's a change or a loss or a separation or an accident and it throws you, can be triggered by feeling trapped, you're hopeless, helpless, powerless, not able to influence an outcome. It it can be triggered by a sense of threat, whether that's real or imagined. It can be triggered by differences where you experience opposites, strangeness, diversity. It can be triggered by uncertainty, doubts, ambiguity, the unknown. It's unpredictable, the future's out of my hands and I just don't like it. Or it can be triggered by depletion, just feeling like you haven't really got the resources you need in order to carry on. What tends to happen is it ends up engulfing us in a form of blindness. It's like it decreases our capacity to see or hear or understand. It's as though we get stuck in this little confined box that slowly shuts down all our options. It's as though there are no alternatives, no options, no possibilities. It decreases our capacity to learn. It increases our demand for certainty and arouses all kinds of feelings of inadequacy, which invariably leads to an array of defensive behaviours. It unleashes blame shifting. It makes us vulnerable to selling our soul to some miraculous cure or larger than life saviour figure. And more often than not, it ends up leading to all manner of foolish decisions. Now, the reality is we live in an increasingly anxious culture. And our culture is subconsciously training us all the time to live in the world anxiously. We've inherited it, we've learnt it, we've consumed it. And whether it's crippling anxiety or just an anxiety that hums quietly beneath the surface, either way, it informs our behaviour and shapes our decisions. And Jesus 
wants to heal us of this. And so, without any further ado, let's have a listen to what Jesus has to say to us. Let's pick it up in Matthew 6, verse 24, where, pretty interestingly, Jesus launches this big teaching on anxiety by focusing in on the topic of money. Like, even 2,000 years ago, this was the hot topic. This was the number one source of worry. And I'll suggest very little has changed over, over the years. It's still the same today. Here's what Jesus says. No one can serve two masters, for you'll hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Now, just by way of background, the word translated money here literally means mammon or stuff. He's saying you can't serve God and your stuff. The end of the day is either one or the other. You, you cannot be fully devoted to God and your stuff. It's like they're enemies of each other. And so at some point, you have got to decide which one you're going to be most devoted to. It's like you can't keep having it both ways. Maybe you're thinking, well, actually, I do love God and I do love my stuff. But Jesus is saying when push comes to shove, you will be forced to make a decision between the two. Are you going to opt for your God values or your stuff values? You, you can like both. You can even say you love both. But sooner or later, there will come a time when you do have to decide between the two. You'll hit some kind of crisis point. You'll have to fall one side of the line or the other. question is, which one am I most devoted to? You're thinking, well, it's not quite so straightforward, is it? I mean, it depends. It depends how I'm feeling. It depends which day of the week it is. Can't I just park this one? Think about it some other time. No. Jesus doesn't give us that option. He takes us into this discussion that underscores what he's getting at. Verse 25, that is why. Just to be clear, Jesus is going to say something that connects with what he's just said about money. Remember, there's this war between who or what you're devoted to in your life. There's a tension there. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, Jesus says. Not to worry about whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. And so he says to his audience, look, I know what you think about every single day. You, you get up in the morning and you think, what are we going to eat? Because back then it was pretty much this hand-to-mouth existence. What, what are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? Because our clothes are wearing out and our children are growing out of their clothes and clothes are increasingly expensive. How are we ever going to afford it all? And Jesus is saying to his audience, look, I don't want you to worry about that. I guess if he was addressing us today, he'd put it like this. Don't worry about your kids schooling. 
Don't worry about your exam results. Don't worry about your job. Don't worry about whether or not you're ever going to get married or have kids or move house. Don't worry about your health. Don't, don't worry about everyday life. But, but Jesus, are you saying that those things don't matter? I think Jesus was I'm not saying it's not important. I'm not saying it's wrong to be concerned about those things. I'm certainly not dismissing your job, your family, your health. I'm, I'm not dismissing any of these things. Quite the opposite. They are important, but there will always be uncertainty surrounding them all. I mean, let's be real. Some of the time, it's not all going to work out fine. But Jesus would say, you still don't have to worry about it. Which kind of gets our attention, doesn't it? Because Jesus is saying that there is a way to face uncertainty tomorrow without worrying about it today. Or to put it more bluntly, he's saying, when it comes to your life, it is possible to stop worrying. It's like it's trying to pull us out of our hyper-focus on how am I going to cope if there's a second wave? How will I survive another lockdown? How am I going to feed the family? What, what am I going to do if the schools close again? What if I'm out of work? How, how am I going to get the kids into the right school? Will, will my health ever improve? How, how am I going to look after my aging parents? You know, we focus in so much, don't we, on those things? And we get so worried, don't we? And understandably so. I mean, these are serious concerns. These are worrying times. But Jesus comes along and says, for just a moment, I want to pull you away a little bit. I want to pull you back. And I want to ask you some questions. End of verse 25, he says, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon, in all his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So, don't worry about these things, saying what we eat, what we drink, what we wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your Heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. You notice three times Jesus says in this passage, don't worry. He says it in verse 25, then in verse 31, 
and again in verse 34 don't worry don't worry don't worry he's very repetitive because here's what jesus knows there's a way to live that means we don't have to worry or be anxious about anything but i think it's fair to say most of us don't live like that and so we can hear these words and they don't really make any difference to us we perhaps intellectually agree like okay that sounds like a good idea but it doesn't really change anything and so jesus says it again you don't need to worry and we're like yeah okay i've got it jesus is like no i don't think you understand you don't have to worry you see he knows that most of our anxieties aren't just on the surface he knows that very often it goes way 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 deeper than that our anxiety comes from a whole web of complex experiences over our lifetime that have trained us to live anxiously in the world it's our safety mechanism it's how we've learned to get by in this world the problem is it's a safety scheme outside of jesus which is catastrophic on any number of different levels not least of which is the fact that over time rather than being tenderly responsive to him the anxiety in our hearts ends up desensitizing us to his very presence and so for us to experience more of jesus in our lives for us to know him more intimately for us to be more receptive to his voice first of all he has to do a work on our fear and our anxiety and really my prayer is that the words of jesus here would wake you up to true reality and start the process of healing you of your anxiety i'm praying that something would happen as you listen to these words that would change your life that the holy spirit would give you revelation would help you see things clearly would lift the fog would show you the route to freedom so that what would normally take years of counseling and i'm all for counseling by the way but i'm also for the holy spirit doing a work in us and speeding up the process and that's what i'm praying he would do in you i know he can do it i'm praying that he would now just so you know where we're going with this next week we're going to return to this passage and look at how jesus addresses our emotions and then the week after that we'll look at how he targets our heart but for the rest of our time today i want to focus in on our mind Jesus is looking to heal us of our anxiety. And so he aims at our emotions, he aims at our heart, but he begins with our mind. Jesus knows he can't rationalise you out of your anxiety. He's not sitting down a bunch of really anxious people and lecturing us and simply saying, stop it. He doesn't do that. But while he knows you need something more than a mere rational argument you don't need less you do need to hear the truth and so jesus begins with an argument 
when he invites us to look out the birds or the flowers, he's reasoning with us. He's getting us to think. He's wanting us to consider how things work. It's like he's arguing from lesser to greater. And so he says, verse 26, look at the birds. Now you're thinking, what? <laughs> I mean, give me a break. I haven't got time to go bird watching. Now, I need a job. I haven't got any transport. I don't feel very well. My family's in enough trouble as it is. What do you mean? Look at the birds. I think Jesus would say, are you quite finished? He'd say, I'm trying to help you here. I'm not discounting the value of any of that other stuff. And I'm not saying don't be concerned about it. It's just that you're so hyper-focused on it all that it's become your chief focus. And at the end of the day, your emotion follows your devotion. And before you know it, you're, you're caught in this downward spiral. It's a mess. It's out of control. And I'm wanting to help you here. Because from where I'm sitting, it looks like you need some advice. So won't you hear me out? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. You need to understand, Jesus is addressing their culture 2,000 years ago. Here's how I think he'd say it to us. Look at the birds. They don't have any GCSEs or A-levels to their name. They never went to university. They didn't follow their kids around the whole time in case they got hurt. No, they build their nests as high as they can and just push their offspring out. They'll be okay. Now that being said, it's important you don't misunderstand Jesus here. If you misread this verse, you'll perhaps just think he's making fun of all your hard work. So just to be clear, he is not saying, look, the birds don't even really try. They just go with the flow. So just drop everything. Relax. Forget all your responsibilities. Do nothing. Everything will just work out. He is not saying that. Read the rest of the verse. Look at the birds. I don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? That is the point. Aren't you much more valuable to God than a bird? Let me put it another way. Do you think... God cares more about you than he does for birds. Do you think he's more concerned about you? Just to help you out here in case you're not quite sure. Remember, you are made in his image. When he finished the whole job of making the rest of the animals, he created human beings and he said, this is different. I'm making them in my image. They bear my thumbprint. When I see them, I think about me. In fact, I think I'll send a saviour into the world one day and he won't be in the form of a bird or a goat or a lion. I'm going to send my son into the world 
in the form of a human being. And so before you sink back into all the things that are worrying you at the moment, answer this question. Do you think God cares more about you than he does about a bird? Now, I know this is deep. You might be feeling you, you don't have a firm enough grasp of the Bible to be able to answer this one. So I'm going to push you, though. Do you think God cares more about you than he does about birds? If so, wherever you're watching this, just repeat after me. I believe, I believe, God loves me, God loves me more than the birds, more than the birds. I want you to listen. This is so significant. Jesus is saying, this might seem a little childish, a little bit elementary, but I am telling you here why you can face uncertainty and not worry. I'm telling you here why you can face the confusion of what your children's schooling is going to look like. I'm telling you why you can face the uncertainty surrounding your employment. I'm telling you why you can face the prospect of a second wave of coronavirus. I'm telling you why you can be unsure whether your health will ever improve. I'm telling you why you can face the uncertainty of whether or not you'll ever get married or have kids or move house. I'm, I'm letting you into the secret here of how you can face all of that and not be overcome with worry. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to get you to go into denial. Understand the uncertainties connected with tomorrow. But I'm teaching you how to face uncertainty full on and not worry. Jesus certainly isn't encouraging irresponsibility. He's not encouraging a fatalistic view that, oh, it'll just all work out. He's simply encouraging you to trust in your heavenly father. It's not saying stop sowing and reaping and storing away in barns. By all means, keep filling out the application forms. Keep studying. Keep asking people out. Keep up the diet. Do your best. Set goals. Do all that stuff. But once you have done all you can do in the here and now, I want you to remember that God loves you more than the birds. And so there is no need to worry. Jesus goes on, verse 27. It's another question. He asks, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? You think all this bird stuff is far too simplistic. Well, go ahead and worry yourself about all those other things. What if, what if, what if, what if she does, he doesn't, they don't, I can't, this happens, that happens. Worry, worry, worry. And then stop. And ask yourself this question. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Like, does your worrying change anything in a positive way? Does it bring you any more certainty? Does it make you feel any better? Does it make things work out differently? Does worrying today change what happens tomorrow in any positive way? Probably not. So Jesus says, that I've got an idea. If your worrying doesn't get you anywhere, how about doing it my way? Look at the birds. 
realise God loves me more than them. And if God loves me that much, and if I've done all I can do, I've sown, I've reaped, I've stored, if I've done everything I can, can God be trusted with the things that I have no control over? If so, I'm not going to worry today. And I'm not going to worry tomorrow. Because I'm trusting the only one who can do something about tomorrow. All of which sounds pretty good in theory, but let me try and make this a little more practical for you. If you would like to be a less anxious person, here are two very simple things you can start to do between now and next Sunday. First of all, I want to invite you to think of your heart as a set of balancing scales. Now, bear with me on this one. You may beg to differ, but I think often we assume our heart is like a cup. And if it's full of anxiety, we just need to empty it of those emotions and fill it with alternative emotions. But as many of you know from experience, actually it's not quite as simple as just telling yourself to stop worrying, is it? I mean, it'd be nice if it was that easy, but sadly it isn't, is it? And so don't think of your heart as a cup. It's way better to think of it more like a set of balancing scales. You know the kind I mean? Sort used as a symbol for justice, where the two sides weigh different arguments in order to reach a true and accurate judgment. On one side, you've got anxiety weighing you down, but you can provide counterweights by speaking truth to yourself. Like, I know your heart is very anxious right now, that it's overwhelmed by threatening circumstances, that it's uncertain of what tomorrow may bring. However, let me offer you a counterweight, not to remove those other emotions, but to place them in relation to a larger reality. The reality of God's sovereign goodness, his attention, his purpose, that he's your father and you're valuable to him. And because he loves you, he will certainly take care of you. Do you see what's happening here? These counterweights don't remove the other weights. Instead, they provide a different perspective that enables us to bear the other weights of anxiety in a godly manner, without denying the fact that those feelings are real. And so this week, every time you find yourself anxious, won't you balance those thoughts with truths about God and his care for you? And to help you do that, the second thing I'd like you to do this week is simply read through the passage we've been looking at, Matthew 6, verses 24 to 34. Just read it all the way through every day. Get Jesus' words well and truly into your mind. And here's what I'd predict. As you do that, one or two of these verses will just get you. They'll just hit you between the eyes. And God will slowly but surely start the process of changing the way you think. And then, when you've done that, come back next Sunday when we'll be returning to look at how Jesus addresses our emotions.